Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy, brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In this first of a two-part series, we'll be discussing trade policy with a specific focus on tariffs. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and joining me will be our chief analyst and good friend, Robin Barr. Trade policy has been a hot topic these last few years, specifically the implementation of tariffs. In today's episode, we'll try to demystify tariffs, explaining what they are, how they work, and what they are designed to do. In next week's part two of this series, we will answer the question, has the most recent use of tariffs achieved the attended goals? So Robin, welcome back. Let's talk tariffs. Thanks, Christian. So we're going to talk about trade policy and specifically tariffs. Now, don't switch off. Uh, I know it can be a boring subject, but we'll try and enliven it uh, a bit and maybe introduce some real-life experiences. But let's just go back to a bit of theory. Uh, and let's take a hypothetical product. Let's call it a widget. So we're producing or a company is producing a widget, uh, and the government decides to put a tariff on it, meaning they effectively create a tax that is then collected by the government when the widget arrives at port by the local company that intends to sell it domestically. What does that do? Well, it raises the price of widgets. You know, any, any government tax raises the price of, of, of anything. Really, so in this case, the price of widgets, but it could be um, aluminum. So your can of beer, your diet coke, um, or even your uh, car or light truck containing aluminum. In theory, it would cost more because there's a tax applied to that particular product. So it causes a number of things. One, consumers have to pay more for them. So whether it's a light vehicle or um, aluminum foil for your turkey for Thanksgiving next week, you know, that could cost slightly more over time. Two, it allows the government to take in the tariff revenue. So uh, hurrah for the, uh, for the government. And three, it can force either the foreign producer or more likely the local distributor to absorb the additional cost and suffer lower profits. The tariff thus redistributes money that the consumers used to save when buying cheaper, non-tariffed imports to the government. So a, a wealth redistribution, in other words. However, this is not an even trade. Some of that consumer surplus, um, if we can call it that, goes to nobody. Um, and it's simply destroyed. And economists call this process of destroying um, the consumer surplus that would have existed, they call it a dead weight loss. The tariff therefore makes the US or, or any country that applies a tariff uh, as a whole, so consumers as we've explained, but producers of those goods and the government uh, essentially worse off in the amount of wealth destroyed. That's money that consumers pre-tariff could have spent on other stuff or saved. So everybody loses, if you like. You know, it's a no-win situation. 
Right. It's great that you've broken that down because there's been so much misinformation over the course of the last couple of years out in the media about how tariffs work. So it's really fantastic to hear you break it down like that. What is the history behind the theory of tariffs? It's always good, I suppose, to, to, to come back to, to theory and then see how that theory works in, uh, in practice or in the, in the real world, which is what we're going to do eventually. But the theory, uh, of course, is backed up by centuries of history and economic analysis. Um, and in this case, dozens of governments and academic studies that have examined various periods in history have found that protectionism, including and especially tariffs, impose high economic cost on consumers and the economy more broadly. Uh, and again, this comes back essentially to the theoretical dead weight loss that we uh, discussed before. However, the studies also show that tariffs and other protectionist measures like quotas typically fail to achieve stated government objectives, uh, such as revitalizing protected industries, saving jobs, or opening foreign markets. At the end of the day, the jobs and industries still withered away or returned uh, more commonly for more government help. And the markets remain closed. Practical example here would be the steel industry uh, in the Rust Belt states of the US. They haven't really returned, have they? Um, or the number of aluminum smelters, much fewer now, I think six or seven smelters today than in the past when there was probably uh, in excess of 20 smelters in the US. At the same time, the protectionism did generate lots of political dysfunction, so corruption, incompetence and the like. For these reasons, there are few issues on which more economists agree than eliminating tariffs. Uh, it reminds me of the joke, you put 10 economists in the room and you have 15 answers. <laughs> anyway, for example, in a 2006 survey of 210 PhD economists randomly selected from the American Economic Association, they found that overwhelming majorities agreed that tariffs and import quotas usually reduce general economic welfare and that the U.S. government should therefore eliminate remaining tariffs and other trade barriers. In fact, 87.5% of that group thought that was the case. Either that or refrain from restricting employers from outsourcing work to foreign countries, so about 90% thought that, uh, and nix or eliminate anti-dumping laws, 61% or thereabouts, of that cohort um, thought that was the case. Other more recent uh, economist uh, surveys show similar results. Okay, great. And that brings us to today, Robin. None of this has discouraged President Trump from using tariffs, as we've seen, for rote protectionist um, reasons. So we've seen that in the steel sector, aluminum, solar panels, and washing machines, um, or geopolitical reasons. So here, China has really been touted as the uh, as, as the candidate to try and target um, tariffs to get them to change their their ways. The president has implemented five different tariffs on almost five hundred billion 
dollars in annual U.S. imports uh, as of 2019, might be slightly higher um, over time, under three different laws with different rationales. So safeguards, safeguarding jobs, national security, so maybe some defence reasons, and uh, unfair trade. That you know, China in maintaining a trade surplus is unfairly trading with its uh, major partners and, and taking advantage. The first two, um, so safeguards and national security, were intended to protect American industry uh, at issue, while the third, unfair trade, was supposed to address foreign government actions that allegedly harmed US commerce. And things like anti-dumping, where a foreign um, company allegedly is selling below cost in the US its products, you know, that would be the subject of um, anti-dumping measures by the uh, US government. What has been the result of these actions that we've discussed above? Well, we'll cover those in, in part two, if you like, of our series on tariffs. So listen in next week. Thank you, Robin. We most certainly look forward to hearing if America's recent foray into trade warfare via tariffs has been successful. As always, I want to thank Robin for joining me today. And of course, I want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. Join us next week for the exciting conclusion of our two-part series on trade war tariffs. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to always keep an eye and ear on the forward curve.